that the organization lacks in true understanding of what it's going to take to create a resilient workplace, understand what it takes to create a shift in workplace culture, then they may struggle with that. MedVal is a community helping healthcare innovators and leaders make a difference. One of the ways we do this is to identify movers and shakers who are deploying their good ideas to make the world healthier. And we broadcast their, those stories over MedVal Radio. This is Jim Trounson, your host. Today I'm chatting with Carlos Arce, the company leader at Elation. Carlos, welcome to MedVal Radio. Thanks for having me, Jim. It's great to be on board. Well, Carlos, there's a lot of problems and noise and hype, even if you will, about burnout of healthcare workers, physicians, even healthcare organizations. And I know Elation, which we're going to hear more about here pretty soon, is worried about this. So could you give me your views of what's going on out there that needs a, a better solution? Well, thanks, Jim. Yeah, I, I think that we have seen significant movement in the United States and, and globally as well around the topic of burnout within healthcare. And in addition to that, of the impact on the individual is how that actually impacts the healthcare systems themselves, which is, is, is significant. Sometimes we refer to that as almost kind of apocalyptic what we're seeing because it's impacting all the obvious things, patient satisfaction, productivity, retention of physicians, the quality of care. So it's a, it's a pretty significant phenomenon that's happening. And now you uh, overlap on top of it, a global pandemic. And it's in situations that have really, really exacerbated some of the limited resources and capacity. And now you've kind of just added on to what was already a very difficult, tough situation. Yeah. Well, and I really like this uh, tagline, if you will, that Elation uses. It says, we created a healthcare system that takes the world's most resilient people and burns them out. How sad. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's significant reality that we're trying to at least be honest about where we're, we're coming from, right? And the one piece of that element, and the reason why we use that tagline is we want people to understand that the way we're going to attack this is we're going to pay attention to the system and the, the types of stressors that the system, the workplace, the profession itself has been creating, sometimes without really a conscious awareness. And uh, it's a give and a take that over time has started to take much, much more than give back to those folks who are doing some great work. Thank you, uh, Carlos. And I uh, certainly have come to uh, develop a huge respect for you and the sort of role that you're playing uh, now at Elation and the uh, the good that you are are doing in that role. So tell me about if if this burnout is such a uh, an issue out there, which we all know that it is. What are some of the solutions? Not that I want to talk here pretty soon about what Elation does, but what's a, a broader spectrum of what other companies are doing to try to deal with burnout? Yeah, I think some. I think all organizations have it on their radar. And I think the best way to describe what most are doing is they're applying some of their existing methodologies to, to problem solve to that, to this particular issue. And again, well-intended, uh, we see committees that have been formed where they are maybe cross-functional representation talking about how they want to address burnout. In some cases, there are specific tactics that people have kind of gravitate toward, and they may be investing in those in regard to creating offerings for clinicians, whether it's mindfulness-based or mindfulness types of training or introducing concepts like meditation or meditative thought practices within the system. These are all specific little tactics that organizations tend to use. My critique of that would be that 
we're often not truly understanding that we're trying to shift the entire workplace culture. And that to shift workplace culture, it requires a competency that to be honest and transparent is not necessarily a competency that is championed within healthcare. Healthcare organizations aren't necessarily the places that you go to to find the most dynamic workplace, most engaging workplaces. And I, I don't say that in critical in a critical way. I say that in, in being honest about the fact that they're focused on taking care of patients and provide saving lives and being able to create, reduce pain and suffering that's not necessarily the place that you're going to go find some of the most dynamic methodologies to create engaging interactions, to be able to make sure that you're tapping into the performance and the capacity of each individual. So unfortunately, to answer your question, well-intended, we have different types of tactics that have been established. I would say that most of them fall within the expertise of the organization itself, which means that also they're limited by the expertise of the organization itself. And if the organization lacks a true understanding of what it's going to take to create a resilient workplace, understand what it takes to create a shift in workplace culture, then they may struggle with that. Yeah. Well, Carlos, let's use the example that I'm a CEO of a hospital and I've got some anxiety here in the the pandemic about my workforce uh, to include my medical staff, the departments, the nursing, everybody being burned out or getting stressed because of COVID on top of an already very stressful job. So what could you do for my hospital? Our organization has been able to focus very specifically on groups and the uh, tactics associated that will actually shift folks from a state of burnout risk into a state of high performance. And so what we've learned along that journey is that what impacts us is all very unique to us. You know, it's, it's how we see the world. And so one of the things that we've been working on for healthcare leaders is a tool that we call the, the well-being workbench. And the well-being workbench is a, is a relatively short assessment, 10 to 15 minutes tops, that is available to every healthcare worker that would be able to get a sense as to some of the drivers of well-being that aren't always overtly obvious. And uh, what I mean by that is we're paying attention to well-being, not only physiological well-being, mental well-being, but we're paying attention to things like the social well-being that people experience and the communities they're in the relational well-being that they experience at work, how that impacts folks. And if we add in the current situation we are with COVID-19, the stressors that are that come from this current dynamic that we're in in regards to this pandemic. So we have this tool that we uh, offer organizations that can be applied throughout the system. It has a small panel of questions that if you are a physician, you would complete. Another small panel of questions that if you are a nurse that you would complete. So it allows us to look at the different groups within an organization and get a flavor for where there may be high risk. Where are their areas? Where are their teams that might be important to focus on? Where are there groups of individuals that seem to be thriving? And how can we pay attention to the leadership work that they're doing there or the dynamics that are in their departments that are helping there? So the beginning point of that for us would be to, to give a, a, the, the healthcare system the kind of way to assess their current state in an accurate manner that correlates directly to this potential burnout risk and take into to reality the, the important factors that not only important, but the varied factors that impact our capacity to perform at our best. Yeah. Well, we're nervous about uh, getting infected, <laughs> infecting others, and 
Can you do this in a physically distanced kind of a way? Everything that we're doing now is done virtually. So it's going to be done. Uh, the assessment is done online. You know, for each individual, they complete the assessment. The intervention work that we've been doing, whether it's one-on-one coaching work that we do or the group facilitation work we've done is all done virtually. We have focused significantly on some of the best practices for creating engaging and productive meetings. And then we started a few years ago to start to tinker in the virtual world because of some of the clients that we were working with from different parts of the, of the country and uh, across the globe. Now we are able to move all of that work into the virtual capacity and do it in a way that really does optimize interactions and make it as safe as possible for folks to participate. The other element I'll add to that, Jim, is that we're doing it in a time-valuable manner. We want to reduce the amount of time that people outlay to complete things. We want it to be quick. We want it to be able to be something that's meaningful. So in the assessment that we offer, every individual upon completing the assessment gets a very, very specific and personalized individual report that basically says, look, here are some of the buffers that are actually helping you, that you are, that are putting you in a, in a place that ultimately helping your performance. And, and here are some of the stressors. Here are some of the things that you might be experiencing that might be kind of undermining your capacity to perform at your best. And we do that because we want people to feel that they have been rewarded for investing their 10, 15 minutes to complete the survey. That, by the way, when we look at all those surveys in aggregate, give an organization great insights as to what's going on in their organization, lets them see some of the organizational stressors, some of the organizational buffers, that are actually serving them or undermining their direct, their desired outcomes. But we want to take into account the fact that if we ask you to complete something, that you get something in return that's valuable to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that puts us in a position to be able to sit down with the leadership team and say, let's look at what this looks like in the aggregate. Let's look at the stressors. Let's look at the differences between your nursing group, your physician group, your staff group. You know, We have the capacity to, to really get into departments and areas it's up to the organization itself when we launch the survey, how we break that down. We always limit the capacity to break it down so that we never undermine, somehow risk the anonymity of an individual. So we only look at groups within clusters of five or more. If we don't have that number, then you can't look at it the small group. So we want to be respectful of that, but we also want to be helpful for organizations yeah. to be able to well, see how- Well, I've seen some of your beautiful reports, those uh, sunburst diagrams that you can uh, drill into and drill into and drill into, come up with things like, well, Mr. Hospital CEO, you have a problem in L&D, but your uh, emergency department is just fine. So let's put energy where you uh, you appear to have more opportunities. And that's the intent, right? The intent is we want to be able to make the invisible visible. We want you to be able to see some of these dynamics and to be able to understand how this is playing out and for you to have the best information possible so that you can focus on the things that you think will make a difference for you. And everyone's operating with very limited resources right now. We, we want to create as, as, as little waste as possible. So let's find the places that could give you the greatest return or that you're at the greatest risk or that you have the greatest capacity to cascade and share because you see success here. And all you want to do is really get the word out that something that's happening in this department is something we might want to replicate in other areas. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of the intent of the work we're doing. 
Well, so Carlos, let's talk about an interested listener might do, uh, because I think we're creating a, a lot of interest here. And how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I, I think the easiest direction, of course, is we have our relation.com website that has some references in it. But I would love, as a result of this conversation I'm having with you, Jim, for people to reach out to me directly with any questions they have. My email is my first name, Carlos, at elation, E-L-A-T-I-O-N, dot com for any one of those options that we've discussed. Well, Carlos, thank you very much for this podcast. And uh, I'm awfully happy to have you and Elation as part of our Medvale community. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. It's been a pleasure. It really has. I appreciate all the questions and the chance to connect with your, with your audience.